you know? I mean, I was going more for world peace, but oh. yeah, sure. Eh. World peace? What the fuck? I'm just joking. Seems too I mean, lofty. It, it, yeah, it's a, it's <laughs> a Who cares about world peace? <sighs> if it didn't feel too much like a stretch goal, maybe. Yeah, like, I want world peace to happen, but I'm not going to do anything <laughs> proactively for it. <laughs> Surprise shots, surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. All right. This one is for Marjul. Cheers. Clink. Oh, I like that. Pineapple. Vodka. I liked it at first, but not after. Ah, gross. That was 99 proof pineapple. I mean, those those shots are strong. So, welcome if this is your if this is your first time here. My name is John. I'm sitting here with Jen and Chloe Barbash. Tonight is our 300 episode, and I forgot about it. So we're just doing a, a regular murder this story. This is a part two. <laughs> yeah, this is actually a part two. <laughs> Somebody's watching me. Did you forget until you saw that comment on the on the blog? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's give away some money. Money. Choose winners. Are we going to do the bongos? Choose winners now. You always do that to me. Tell me to play the bongos before you even choose. And boom. Summer. 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 That's a new commenter, pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. It is a new commenter. I, whenever I hear the name Summer, I think of Summer from the OC. Dreams drifting in the summer breeze. Congratulations, Summer. So I, I guess this is the $50 starting off. Yeah. I mean, 50 bucks, Summer. You're a first-time commenter. I'm really surprised that it hasn't repeated someone yet because everyone's well, here. Well, we are getting more comments a week, so yeah. it's picking up. Yeah, we did have 25 comments on our 25 entries there was like over yeah. 50 comments. So to to get to enter this, you got to leave a comment on this week's post. You'll see the box down there. Make sure after you comment, you go back up to that box and put your email in there. The same one that you use to comment with because it that's how it tracks. Put your email in that box because if you don't do that, it's not going to register. And it's got to be the same email address as your Amazon gift card receiving address or whatever. Anyway, congratulations, Summer. Woohoo. Jen, so we did the Derek Todd Lee case, oh, part one. Oh, I remember the name now. So can you tell us everything you remember and don't get one detail wrong, please? Thank you. <laughs> ooh, ooh. It was in Washington, wasn't it? Oh, my God. Fuck no. <laughs> what the fuck? Incorrect. That was like three episodes ago. This one was in Louisiana. Yeah, the, oh, yeah. The South Louisiana serial killer was located in Washington. Shut up, John. <laughs> I actually, I remember this one. So this was um, a, a p- possible person who worked in oil who would say like, hey, can I use your phone? I need to call my work. That's right. And would beat the shit out of the woman home alone. Correct. Correct. And I gotta say, I notice, and I think this is because of this episode, John purchased a help keychain for like women, and he's got a taser in the <laughs> Amazon car. And I'm pretty sure it's because of this is episode. It the bird, is it the bird? 
the bird. No, it's not the birdie. It's the other one. The birdie has better views. Um, the other one. So there's this little thing, guys. Did you buy it, though, because of this? I think it's going to be delivered today. This one and the next episode, yeah. Oh, God. So basically what I want to do. Did you buy do, one for me, too? Is it for me or is it for you? No, or I don't is it care about me? you. Just her. <laughs> I think he bought it for himself, no, to I be honest no, with I you. bought it for the front door. So what they're talking about is there's this little thing called the Birdie, or there's another company that I bought, but it's like this little contraption, and then you pull the top off of this device and it makes an alarm sound a very loud 135 decibels which is extremely oh loud anyway if you remove the top it makes this this count it's an alarm for your person but anyway what i'm going to do because of these episodes right here is i'm going to well you you should put one on your keychain i'm going to get another one for me no not for you and i'm going to tie a string to it and hook it to the front door. So every time you open the door for someone, you also have your hand on this birdie thing. So, for instance, if the perpetrator, you know, let's say you open the door for a guy selling insurance and then he's really a serial killer or is trying to get into, you know, rape you or whatever, then he pushes the door open, but you're still holding on to this thing and it's going to make the sound automatically. I'm in suspense, and I, ever since I saw All that right, you ordered okay. this alarm thing and a freaking taser in our Amazon cart, I was Just like, okay, Just don't test well. it on me. Okay, Nicole. Actually, maybe. Please tell us all about- He is in Louisiana. He works some somewhere in oil, and he his MO is like going to women's apartments and saying, hey, can I use your phone so I can call my work? And they let the door open and he is, he like bashes them in, but he also sexually assaults them. Did you get and that, he's Jen? killed yes, I upwards like of a dozen, but maybe more. I thought maybe it was like 17. Twice that. So tonight we're going to finish up the Derek Todd Lee case. I keep wanting to call him Derek Lee Todd. I think that's because my dad's and my brother's middle name is Lee. I didn't know that. So it's like. Wait, your dad's name is Tommy Lee. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> your mom's name is in my bed last night, and you're probably you going to have wish. a sister. Yeah. Last would be depart one of the Derek Todd Lee case. As Nicole was talking about, he is also known as the South Louisiana serial killer. He actually only got caught for his later killings, but there was a span of 10 years where he was able to commit these horrendous crimes and to put it simply they haven't been mapped out to him yet or will ever be so and we we actually went over the charlotte murray case do you remember that one she was in her apartment yeah. yeah she moved in she just moved in and did i go over the uh cemetery one no no like young frankenstein you it's said that he liked to hang out at the cemetery or something weird. I think Did I tell you about the couple it. at the cemetery? No. Yes. Oh. Yes or no? Well, yes. They were having sex in the car. Correct? This guy's MO is really hard to map. When they finally figured out, when the Baton Rouge police finally figured out that they had a serial killer working in the area, the all the press that came out 
didn't actually put his race because they didn't know his race. Even the FBI couldn't tell what race this person was. Is he a black guy? Is he a white guy? We don't know. Mm. In fact, from the book that we're going to be reading an excerpt tonight also is from a survivor account. And this survivor account, she wrote a book about the attack and everything else. So we'll get a good taste of the how he enters the home and everything, you know, good taste of how he does it, exactly what you're going to get if he enters your home. But the the police actually contacted her because they were looking for any unsuccessful homicides. And she was one. Derek Todd Lee actually tried to kill this lady, but he was unsuccessful. So they contacted this lady and they mapped out. They basically got the DNA from her, from her rape kit, and they matched it to the Murray kit and among the other ones that we talked about, and they were all matched. That's how they knew the race of the killer and exactly what they looked like. Once she came forward with her story and her DNA from the rape kit test, it was just a matter of literally minutes before they arrested this guy. They actually arrested him and his family in Atlanta. He fled to Atlanta. They arrested his whole family? Well, not his whole family, just him. But well, his family his family didn't know about it. In this case and the next case we're going to do, now that you brought that up, it's kind of interesting because both had sons and we can see how the sons turned out. Oh. And they're not very good. Oh. Apple doesn't fall far. That's, yeah, so. Nature versus nurture. Yeah, anyway. Mm. So we did stop with the couple at the cemetery. If you haven't heard part one, you might want to go back there. Derek Todd Lee, serial killer, rolling around Louisiana in the killing fields. That's what they call that area of Louisiana. A lot of swamp down there. You can just throw a body in there real quick. Just like Pee-wee. Just like Pee-wee, yeah. So. Like I said, this is the book we're reading tonight, and we are on live chat, so we got a couple of good friends here. So we are reading I've Been Watching You by Susan Mustafa. Why do you think she titled it I've Been Watching You? Because he was a stalker. A voyeur? This is Jen's goggles that she brought out last week as well. I brought, that's not the first time I brought them out, is no, it? No, no, it's not the first time, but it was the first time in a long time. It's my binoculars. As you're going to read from the Survivor's account... The reason that she named it I've Been Watching You is because when Todd Lee breaks into the house, even with the survivor account, he'll start beating the woman to the ground and starting to rape her and stuff like that. And then he'll whisper in your ear, I've been watching you. Oh, that's not creepy at all. Oh my God, that's creepy. Because these, and, and you know, like the Charlotte Murray case... It was in broad daylight in a very busy apartment. So the audacity of him to do that is it's just so brazen just to walk in and do that. So it turns out that I've been watching you. The reason he says that is because he has actually been stalking these victims. Sometimes for even a year, he would stalk I the I was going to ask, how long was he stalking them for? Wow. So would he stalk multiple people at one time or would he be single focused to one person? 
I I don't know. That's a good question. And was he actually employed by Exxon or like what? Uh, like oh yeah, oh yeah. How yeah, much he was. He? Yeah, he was an oil oil man. Mm. So like, but how do you have time to stalk all of these people if you have a job? Because you make time. <laughs> In all of his spare time, I have a job, and I still have some free time. What are you talking about? People have free time. I don't. Freaking so Green River, Grant, uh, Grant, Green River, Green River. Green River a killer had he worked at a paint shop and he had plenty of time. You know, in your off time. Some What's people that? like video games, some people like killing prostitutes, you know. I don't know what Jen goes from work to practice to sleep. To church, which they have time to did you know, diddly twiddly little Stop boys. It. I'm just saying Stop. Okay. Stop. That's you cross the line there. <laughs> All right, here's the victims. This is some of the victims. Women, there was one African, two African-American girls in there. So it's hard to tell what race this guy is because he would go for white women and black women. But women all together, so. Yeah, there's not, there's also not really an age type. Yeah. There is one thing that's in common. Well, kind of. I would say there I mean, is one thing in common that he did like. So if you look at the top. Brown hair. That's brown hair. It. He did like the brown hair. But then then again, if you look at the bottom, those are different. However, Red, these are. a blonde. Those yeah. are possible victims. Connie Lynn Warner. That's who we're talking about next. This is the summer of 1992. She lived in the Oak Shadows subdivision. Connie Lynn Warner, this is the summer of 1992. So this is right after the cemetery incident. So do you remember what, like, when did the the DeSoto case and the Murray Pace case happen? That was 10 years later, right? That was in 2002. Oh, yes. Right. So this is 1992, where we're going tonight, and we're starting with Connie Lynn Warner. So right after the cemetery case this would be one of the first, one of the first uh, victims from Derek Tudley. She lived in Zachary, Louisiana, which was a subdivision right next to the Azalea Rest Cemetery. So the kids that I talked about, the sixteen-year-old kids that were in the cemetery, they were at Azalea Rest. That was a cemetery. What's really creepy about this story is a lot of these victims were stalked while. Derek Todd Lee was in the cemetery. So he would hide behind the gravestones and and the uh, mausoleums and stuff like that in the cemetery to actually stalk his victims and to get away. So when he does his crime, he'll run back to the cemetery, which I think is pretty smart because the police most likely aren't going to go check the cemetery. Maybe he's hiding behind a gravestone, right? So that's what I thought was very interesting about his specific MO. Any questions about this so far? Mm-mm. Going back real quick about the cemetery. As you'll see, Derek Todd Lee, a lot of his non-homicide charges, the ones that he got brought in for, were of peeping Tom. That's the actual term that they use, peeping Tom, mm-hmm. is the charge. I wonder who the original Tom was. So Peeping Tom. <laughs> was it? No. So you have a peeping Tom, you have someone that likes to hide out in the cemetery, 
In fact, let's go back a little bit before this case. July 31st, 1997, there was numerous calls from the Willow Creek Apartments, which is right there in Baton Rouge. There was a black male that was peeping. He was standing in a kiddie pool and he was looking through the window of multiple apartments and he gave chase and he parked his car at the cemetery, hid behind the graves. He got six counts of trespassing, two counts of peeping Tom and resisting an officer. He was bailed out for that. So a lot of this guy, this guy's MO is basically this. He gets led in the door. There's no forced entry. He does watch the victim for quite a while. He usually goes for the darker haired females and he'll often hide out in the cemetery, but he is basically a stalker. And then once he's inside, it's like a beast let out of the cage, as you heard from the Charlotte Murray Pace, just complete ravages through the victim and then in broad daylight and then just leaves. So Connie Lynn Warner, as you see here, she's got uh, big glasses, dark hair. She's that very bottom picture there. Can you kind of describe her a little bit? Um, 70s slash 80s hairdo, large glasses, nice smile, dark brown hair. She is pale complexion. How old do you think she is? Um, 40s? Ooh, no, I would say like 28 to 34. Wait, the first picture? Yes. No, the, really? fir the first picture at the bottom, Connie Lynn Warner with the glasses. So she is one week outside of her 42nd birthday. Oh. 40s. I lose. Cheers. I was trying to be kind. So she worked for the Louisiana Department of Health. She was a hospital accountant. She just got laid off and she had a teenage daughter. She's 41 years old. So a little different MO here. This is a week before her 42nd birthday, August 23rd. It's the weekend. She is sitting on the couch. She's cross-stitching. I saw in one report that she was just sitting there sewing and just watching TV like she always does because they actually, the police actually comes in and they, they found the, the sewing needle and the croquet or whatever on the floor. She lived in Zachary, Louisiana. Her husband had just divorced her, which was a sad story because she had his baby. And then after that, he couldn't, for whatever reason, man up. Ma yeah, man up, I guess. So he ends up leaving. So she's alone. Now she's going on 42. She is, is one week before her birthday. She's lonely. She's upset. She's sad. She's sitting in her house apartment and she's knitting, right? What she didn't know is she was being watched for quite a while. Derek Todd Lee, for whatever reason, found her to his liking. And like I said, the MO is completely different because she is, you know, twice as old as Charlotte Murray was. What? I was going to ask if he focused on women who did not have a male in their relationship. But then I remembered the first story. Oh, she yeah. was married. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good point. Um, or maybe he re focused on women whose husbands like worked long hours. Maybe, yeah. Like as long as there was an opportunity. I don't know. That's weird because yeah, he did stalk the victims, but then again, like sometimes he cut it so close where the husband came back, 
you know, later that or day or, or the whatever. friend came back like in an hour later. He just studied their schedules. And he, he definitely took his time in the home too. Connie Lynn Warner, she worked for the LA department. She worked for the Louisiana Department of Health. She was a hospital accountant. However, recently she's been laid off. And that was because she didn't have a degree. And at the time they required an, a, a degree to have that position. So right now she's 42 years old. She has a, a child and a teenage daughter. Stop, she actually stops focusing on work. She's just been laid off. She's on unemployment. She's like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to actually go and I'm going to graduate and get my degree. So she started school, Southeastern Louisiana University in Hammond. So she was sitting on the couch. She was cross-stitching. There was a knock on the back door. There was no signs of forced entry. So the knock comes at the back door and she opens the back door because there's a nice looking black man there. And he asked her something, whether it's my car broke down or maybe, hey, can a lot of it's your phone. Like, can I use your phone? Can I call my company or whatever? My car broke down or I need a ride here. Can I use your phone? Mm-hmm. Once he gets the phone, that's like the the end. Usually what will happen is the person, the victim will give him the cordless phone and then he'll ask for the phone book. So she'll go back to get the phone book, maybe come back and then he'll rush in. Or maybe when she turns her back for the first time going to get the phone book, he'll just push his way in. This guy is, he's not huge, but for a 150 pound female, he could definitely overpower really easy. All right, so I'll describe the crime scene, but we can't actually describe her body because it wasn't found for nine days, and it was, uh, quote, badly decomposed, end quote, and it was found on Sorrel Street near downtown Baton Rouge. So this right here is completely different from the other cases where he just leaves the victims right there. This was in his early days when he thought he had to dump the body somewhere, anywhere other than the home. And as you can see, you know, he wasn't caught for so long. He might as well just start leaving them right there in the house. The crime scene starting in the carport, there's those three buttons. Her car's still there. There's actually vomit on the... On her sweater already? No, not on her sweater, but there's vomit on the carport floor and in the back seat of the car now this is the first time that i've really seen a victim vomit like this which kind of really it kind of took me aback when i read that because if you think about someone that vomits they must like when Derek todley broke in there must have been so much dread that caused her to vomit from the carport to the uh, the entryway of the home, there was a washer machine and a dryer. The washer was actually pulled out of place. Do you want to try to guess why the washer machine is pulled out of place? Um, maybe to block the en- the entrance or exit from the apartment. So the killer comes in through the back door of this lady's apartment. He actually forces her into the carport. So the carport's the last place that she's going to be alive. The carport is attached to the washer and dryer area, kind of like ours is here. Mm. So the struggle happens in the den living room area. It moves to the washing 
machine room. The washing machine is pulled out. So the reason that the detectives think that the washing machine was pulled out is because she, quote, grabbed hold of it to keep from being pulled out of the house, end quote. There was blood stains in the carpet in the bedroom. The bed sheets were twisted like a struggle took place. So basically twisted all up, kind of like a, one of those twisty pretzels. Uh, let's move. Let's let's talk about this guy. Let's talk about this guy. This is Derek Todd Lee. Did you think he would look like that? He's older than I thought he would be. In this, well, he now looks like I thought he may. Well, the initial sketches that came out looked nothing like this, and as you see, it was the initial sketches kind of looked like a a white man instead of who this is all right this is Derek todd lee right here this is the south louisiana serial killer if you're on live chat you can see him right there everyone said he's a good looking black man so this guy right here can you imagine this guy being I at mean, your front door no, he, he just looks like a a professional uh at least i mean in this photo he's wearing like a, a white collar suit and all that good stuff well yeah you get dressed up i don't know when you go i think i'm pretty trusting like unless somebody yeah. oh my god which is why i ordered that thing why? yes but he doesn't look like a bad guy no no i think that's the case for a lot of the serial killers but that he's covered. a fucking terrible guy that's the thing yes so he'll this guy right here knocks on the door and he's very manipulative right he'll he's very charming he'll, honestly if someone had said the exact same thing to me, hey, oh my God, like, can I use your phone? I mean, in modern cell phone, that granted, this was back in 2002. So in modern cell phone era, if someone were, someone were to knock on my door, I would be a little more cautious about letting someone in to use the phone. But... But this guy, the thing... If I was back in 2002, would I have done that? Probably. The thing about this guy is... You're not going to let him in. All you got to do is open the door a little bit. All you got to do is crack the door. That's why like, I bought those things. Because you don't have to let this guy in. You just got to crack the door. He's going to well, make his way in himself. Get one of those hotel locks then. Us. Us. I'm not talking to the past victims. I'm talking about in current us. So. Myself. Derek Todd Lee, let's talk about his background. 13 years old is when he was first arrested. He actually got arrested for breaking into the sweet shop on Blackmore Road. He was arrested again at 16 because he, uh, and he was arrested actually for attempted murder. He tried to uh, slit someone's throat with a knife. It was a teenager named Roy Rayford. He got in a little scuffle with him and tried to slit him with his knife. However, none of that's important because that doesn't really match the M.O. The first Peeping Tom arrest, which is, this guy is a Peeping Tom and a stalker, was February 1986. A neighbor actually reported him peeping in the window. Hmm. And she said the following, quote, This has been going on for about two weeks and I'm sick and tired of it, end quote. So this is when he is in, the, in his teenage years. He is caught once for breaking into a cemetery... From now on, even when he's married and has a child, he'll constantly be visiting the cemetery. He just likes to go there and just, I don't know, it's like peaceful for him. And he notices that no one's ever there. And that's how he can plan his next attack and even stalk victims. Because I guess in Louisiana, 
especially around this area. There's a lot of apartment buildings backed up to cemeteries. So it's very easy access for this guy. And he would spend a lot of time there. Would he only go to one specific cemetery? No. Or he, what, he was kind of going to multiple? He was actually arrested in at least two that I found. The okay. Azalea Rest Cemetery and the Bueller Plains Cemetery. So he was arrested. And I actually looked at the Azalea Rest on Google Earth. It does back up right to a huge housing complex and not not right next to it but you could definitely see if you had like a cheap pair of binoculars into someone's window from that cemetery so he would he would just basically spend all his free time in the cemetery which is really freaking creepy because the teenagers that we talked about with the axe the bush axe they were there at night i mean this is 9 30 p.m and he just so happened to be there, right? And it was more of a get out of my freaking space type of shit. He was caught breaking and entering in 1986 at a cemetery, at the at, at a, an undefined cemetery. I couldn't find out which one. But he broke into a woman's house, and he actually, this is before he would drive, he broke into someone's house. He was caught. The police shows up. He actually jumps on a little girl's bicycle like one of those pink bicycles with a Aww. freaking bell and he rides it all the way to the cemetery mm. his let's talk about his education growing up in all the reports i found he was considered quote slow in quote in class so very low iq iq before iq below 70 but i did yeah. see in some places where the iq was tested in multiple times and sometimes it would rise to like 84 but that was it IQ below 70, it, 70 at this time, at least in Louisiana, is the the point where you're in special education classes if, you, if you're below that. So I guess that's the reason they checked his IQ so much because, you know, when I was growing up, I never got my IQ checked. I don't know what my IQ is, and I would love to know. Yeah, like officially. I mean, there are plenty of things you can do online like tests yeah yeah like buzzfeed tests yeah yeah or like psychopath tests or things like that you know we've never taken one of those before but i would assume that they're out there um i would like to know but i think when you're in special education classes and i'm not sure about this they do check your iq often because for some reason they checked as often you do you do have to have like an annual review you do i mean you have to well in special education well to to, in order to qualify for special education, you have to be evaluated by a school psychologist um, hmm. or have a diagnosis of, you know, some, uh, you know, something, something like a, a autism or, um, you know, there are different levels of special education classes. There's, you know, there's functional um, like students that, that, that are severe um, students um, who have like maybe mild autism um, or or like can, you know, function on their own but maybe may not understand they may have a, a intellectual disability that prevents them from becoming like a diploma candidate mm-hmm. then you have special education students who are, are on a diploma track who have an iep and individual uh, education plan um, and they may need some extra resources um, like extra class periods that help them with specific subjects um so, I mean, special education is not necessarily a one-size-fits-all thing. There are a lot of different aspects to it. Derek Todd Lee dropped out of school 11th grade, started working construction. 
He has a sister, Teresha, and they were actually really close to each other. She was one year older, and in fact, she admits that the first time that he was caught, by her at least, peeping as a peeping Tom, was with was with her sister. So he actually takes his older sister when he is 13 years old to go spy on this this older lady, this neighbor, and like watch her through the shower. And then they're both sitting there and Der- and then she says something like, I want to go home. And Derek Tosley's like, shh, be quiet. We got to sit here a little bit longer type of thing. So they, the whole family knew that he had this problem, this peeping Tom problem at a very early age. Mm. Todd liked to watch girls just as he liked to watch birds. Quote, shh, Teresha, don't you move. End quote. That's from the book. Todd never moved when he was watching. He knew how to be very still, even at nine years old. So Derek Todd Lee, he has he had a wife, but then he got his girlfriend pregnant. So he has a a side girlfriend, Cassandra, and he has a son, Diedrich Todd Lee in 1999. That's the son that is currently in trouble with the laws. We'll maybe get to in a little Mm. bit. So but he did have a longtime wife, Jackie. She had filed a restraining order against him in February of 1990 for choking and beating her like severely. So this is 10 years before. So we take a look at him 10 years before the Charlotte Murray case and the the actual cases that he was convicted for. And you're telling me that he just didn't kill anyone in 10 years. Also, what was big or what happened in that time period that washed away a lot of evidence. Hurricane Andrew came through and destroyed a lot of stuff. A lot of evidence, stuff like that, was destroyed from that. Todd's real father, a Samuel uh, Ruth, was a manic depressive. He was considered psychotic, and he liked to preach the Bible. He was a truck driver, and he had a history of beating women. Mm. In prison, he would—this is talking about his mental— depreciation i guess in prison the guards would constantly have to scold him for drinking and washing his face in the toilet water he was eventually committed to a mental institution outside of prison so which is crazy yeah all right so this is Derek todd lee so this is him when he was younger yeah i mean look at the guy he doesn't look like anything he was in the marching band he played the snare I mean, completely normal looking guy, right? If you're on live chat, you can see these. Oh, yeah. Like his little bow ties. That's a totally picture, uns- probably. Totally unsuspected. Exactly. So if this guy showed up at your door asking to use a phone. Oh, my gosh. I'd be like, come on in. Let me make you something to eat. Which is why I bought that fucking yeah, thing. That I, long- <laughs> Let me make I you something like, to eat. What would you like a BLT? That's exactly what oh I would God. say. A BLT on some sourdough That's, bread sounds amazing That right is now. what John's been into lately is, They're is so BLTs good. with crinkle cut fries. Ooh. All right, let's let's kind of divert just a little bit, guys, and let's actually have Nicole read some of... Oh it's been a while since I've read something, so... Are you in a good place to read? Because I am not. I can read. I can read good. Are you seeing, like, double vision? No. Double vision. What I'm going to have Nicole read is from a book called Divine Justice, the Diane... Alexander story. Alexander Hamilton. The only survivor of the Derek Todd Lee murders. Now, this is from Diana 
Alexander. She wrote this book, and this is about her account. Now, the book, and I'll put this on Talk Murder for you guys that want to check it out. I think I got it for free on Kindle Unlimited. I think it's on there for free. Yeah, it's on Kindle Unlimited. Mm, so I have a Kindle, but I never use it. But the book, I will tell you, is she is very Christian. So a lot of it is about, you know, God help me, save me, stuff like that. You know, which I don't mind. But she was that way before this attack. I'm just to let you guys know that the book is very religious. It's called Divine Justice. Let me preface this. This is from the book Divine Justice. This is the firsthand account. And this is why I wanted to put it in the episode is because this gives you exactly what you can expect from when Derek Todd Lee knocks on your door. He asks to use the phone. He needs a phone book. And then all of a sudden, he just pushes the door open, knocks you to the floor. He starts beating you in the face because he wants you to be quiet because you're in an apartment building shared by other apartments. And then he begins to rape you. This is exactly what you will expect because this is a victim that actually survived the attack. Mm. And her name is Diane Alexander. This is the woman that they used to get the DNA from the rape kit test that actually linked to Derek Todd Lee. And that's when they put out the description. And as soon as they put out the actual, the actual sketch or the the actual photo, I should say, of him that he was caught literally almost immediately. Mm. So basically, same thing, knocks on the door. And then this is from chapter three. It's called The Attack. Once inside, he grabbed me by the throat with one hand as he pushed me against the entry door, which caused the door to slam shut. He said, if you try anything, I have a knife and I'll stab you in the eye. My immediate response was within my spirit was, Lord, what's going on? Can't he see that I'm your child? Everything seems surreal. I could not believe this was happening. He then said, take me to your bedroom. I knew if he took me to the bedroom, there would be no way out. My immediate response was to talk my way out of it. I said, we don't need to go to the bedroom. We can stay right here, which was the living room area. He forced me to lay down on the living room floor with his hands still grasping my throat. Hey, He's- hold on a second. I, I want to say, like, I've seen this even in the Ted Bundy case when when some. All right. So he's actually yelling this. Take me to the bedroom. And then she tries to remain calm and says, we don't need to go to the bedroom. We can do whatever you need to do right here. It kind of, I'm not going to say this is going to work every time, but I did see this also in the Ted Bunny case where you kind of like derail the, the current train of thought that, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, whoa, what? Like no one t- says do that. What? Uh. Sorry, <laughs> can't not. Okay. No one says, "Dude, what?" Or no one says, "Take me do to your bedroom." What? All right, it's anyway, just go Oscar. ahead. Sorry. Oh, dude, what? Sorry. Where's, where's? I can't do anything because you have your hand around my throat. He removed his hand from around my throat, and I did as I was told. As he mentally prepared himself to sexually assault me, he whispered in my left ear, "I've been watching you." All right, hold on. Let me skip for a little bit. Kind of creepy, isn't it? It is like I like I well I think if somebody said that to me I'd probably start throwing up. But he at that says point. it that well there you go you're like Ugh. 
While my attacker was trying to rape me, he seemed to be having a difficult time. He appeared frustrated. I didn't attempt to fight him because it would have resulted in a loss on my part. He was physically stronger than me. He would have gotten angry quicker and finished me off. I thought about stabbing him with his own knife when he laid it on the floor next to me while he was trying to sexually assault me. When I picked up the knife, it had a small blade with a black handle. Instantly, I knew this weapon would only anger this man if I would have attempted to use it. He realized that I had the knife in my left hand and quickly took it from me and said, bitch. I really didn't know if he was going to take my life at that point because I'd picked up the knife. I decided to comply with his request and didn't panic. My mind stayed on the Lord, although the turmoil surrounded me. I had an unbelievable sense of peace, as if the presence of God was there. I can't really explain it. The stranger was sweating profusely, as though he was in physical battle, even though I wasn't fighting him. He appeared to have a difficult time accomplishing his purpose for showing up at my home, which was to rape and kill me. So to finish this up, Todd Lee was arrested and he was put on death row for the murder of Charlotte Murray Pace. That was the one that they had the most evidence for. And he did sit on death row for a long time. He he actually died prior, though, before that at age 47, January 21st, 2016. He died sitting on death row. He was he died of heart disease. So but. That is pretty much all I want to go into that case. Any questions about it? Kind of a unique guy. But I think we're going to roll right into the next one. If you guys are cool with that. Yes. Wait, what was his sentencing? sentencing? He was sentenced to death. Did he actually die? Like Yeah, I just said that. No, he, he didn't get put to death. He was... All right, so Lee was convicted on October 14th, 2004 for the rape and murder of Charlotte Murray Pace. He was sent, sentenced to death by lethal injection. And on 2000, in 2016, January 21st, 2016, he died of natural causes, heart disease. He was 47 years old. Sitting on death row, he died. And that's, that's all I got for tonight. Until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people.